Last week, we started our series talking about authority issues, and we said there's some things that God wants you to be under. God wants you to be under the authority of his word, but we said you'll never be over the things that God wants you to be over until you're under the things that God wants you to be under. Am I blocking your view of the screen? That's good, right? You like that? We'll, we'll put it down in a minute. Now, what God wants us to be under is the authority of his word because in the scripture it says that his word is our life. And then it also says that his word is eternal. It lasts forever. And that's kind of interesting because the Bible is the most despised, derided, denied, disputed, dissected, and debated book in all of history. The Bible has been under attack for as long as it has been in existence. But the Bible is still the most read. It's the most published. It's the most translated book on the planet. And it's still changing lives to the people who get under its authority, the people who practice what the Bible says. And despite all of these attacks throughout history, the Bible has survived. And today, the Bible is the greatest single source of culture known to mankind. It's the greatest single source of music, art, architecture. If you remove the Bible from culture, you would take out, you would destroy most of the major music, art, and, and artwork, and architecture for the last 2,000 years. Even much of our English language is derived from the King James Version of the Bible. Thou didst not knoweth that, did you? That the Bible has flourished during all these unrelenting attacks for 2,000 years should not surprise us because Jesus said this uh, in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. According to Jesus, there's one thing on the planet that will last. That's the word of God. Everything else, else will burn up, but truth is eternal. And I read this quote this week by a guy named, guy named Voltaire. How many of you have heard of Voltaire? Okay, um, I had to think about it. He's a famous French philosopher who was an atheist. He attacked the Bible. He attacked organized religion. Here's what Voltaire, by the way, Voltaire wasn't even his name. He just, he had, read it, it's crazy. He, he picked out a couple of names, put it together. I guess he didn't like his, his, the name that he, was got, he got from his father. But anyway, Voltaire says this, 100 years from today, the Bible will be a forgotten book. Voltaire died in 1778. So 235 years later, I'm assuming he, he wrote that sentence before he died, right? So at least 235 years later, the Bible's still going strong. It's the original Energizer Bunny. The Bible just keeps going, keeps going, attack after attack. It survives and it thrives. And today, everyone's forgotten about Voltaire and his quote, but nobody's forgotten about the Bible. And don't tell me that God does not have a sense of humor. Because after Voltaire died for over 100 years, his home was used as the book depository for the French Bible Society. They sold Bibles out of his house. I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> it's now his house is a museum. People have forgotten about Voltaire, but nobody forgets the Bible. No matter what attacks come, the Bible survives. And it's one of the reasons that you know you can trust the Bible because it always survives. Now, the question that I need to ask you is, is everyone under God's authority? Everybody that you know, is everyone under God's authority? No. So here's the deal. You have a choice to be under the authority of God or to be out here. You have a choice about that. But let me tell you that if, whether you're under or not, you do have an authority in your life. And, and the Bible uh, teaches us this, and, and this is what we're talking about. Number one on your listening guide is everybody has an authority. Now, whether you like it or not, you've got an authority in your life, and it may be you, you may be the authority for your life, or it may be somebody that you highly value. 
The problem comes when the person who has authority in your life, the person who has the most influence in your life, has no better vision of the future or of what's going on, God's plan for your life, than you do. That doesn't make a lot of sense. If if your authority is anyone other than God, that's just kind of dumb. Because here's what I think. I think that you ought to have an authority who spoke the world into existence. An authority who has, has no beginning, no end. An authority that, that has all power. He's everywhere all at the same time. He's all-knowing. He knows about tomorrow. He knows about the past. That authority makes so much more sense to me than any other authority. And if you aren't under God's authority, he will not use you for his kingdom. Now, Jesus said this, if you continue in my word, that's the Bible, then you are truly my disciples or disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So Jesus says, think about this logic. He's talking to his followers and he says, if you continue, if you're underneath the authority of my word, you demonstrate to everyone around you that you are really a follower of mine. You will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. That means when you submit your life to God's authority... You continue under his word. You make all your decisions based upon the authority of God's word. And and let me ask you, uh, actually don't answer this out loud. I guess you can answer for your neighbor. When you make decisions in your life, is the first place you go to the Bible? There's one one brave answer over here. I'm not answering. Thank you, Hillary, for playing. We're going to come back to a game in a minute, and I'll I'll get your help on that too, since you're helping. You make all your decisions based upon God's word, then you're under his authority and God bless you. And here's why, Jesus tells you why. Number two, you can't be free unless you have the right authority, unless you know the truth, capital T for truth, because Jesus said he's the truth. If your life isn't built on truth, then it's built on a lie. If it's built on a lie, it's going to crumble whenever stress comes and and rough times are going to come in your life. The only way to have a solid foundation for your life is to get under the right authority. Not what I think is true, not what I hope is true, not what I might be true, not what I'd like to be true, but what is really true. Jesus said, everything else is shifting sand. So Jesus said, I'm the truth. He didn't say I point to it. He didn't say I talk about it. He didn't say I think about truth. He says, I am the truth. I'm it. So if, if everybody has an authority, if, uh, if you can't be free unless you're under the right authority, then number three, the only thing that Jesus, and actually I want you to put truth above that. If you got your pen, write truth with a capital T. Jesus is truth. The only thing Jesus, truth, cannot be in your life is moderately important. Truth is a person named Jesus Christ. He's either who he claims to be, the truth, or he's a con man. Jesus said, I am the way, not one of many ways. He said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father. That means nobody gets to heaven except through me. This kind of forces a decision on us, doesn't it? Either he is who he says he is, or he's the biggest con man in history. Jesus cannot simply be a good man. I've heard people say this. Well, I believe Jesus is a good teacher, or he's a good man. Well, he can't be that. So one thing Jesus could not be is just a good man. Why? Because good men don't claim to be God if they're really not. Good men don't claim to be the way to heaven unless they really are. If I were to come to you and I would say, hi, my name's Doug, and and I'm a pretty good guy, and and I'm a a good teacher. Some of you would buy that. Some of you would say, you know, okay, Doug's not a bad teacher. I can buy that. He's not a bad guy. I can buy that. Well, what if I came to you and I said, I'm a prophet of God. Some of you are going to bail on that. Because some of you are going to say, well, you know, I don't believe Doug's words are on par with Scripture. 
I believe Doug is a mouthpiece for God. I believe Doug teaches the Word of God. But I don't believe we're writing down his words and comparing them with Scripture nowadays. So I don't think Doug's a prophet of God. And somebody might say, Douglas, be very careful putting yourself up on that pedestal. And you would be right to say that. But let's say I go a little bit further and I say to you, Hi, my name is Doug Washburn, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to heaven except through me. Would that change your opinion of me? Kind of forces a decision, doesn't it? Because either I'm who I say I am, or I'm crazy. If I'm crazy, just disregard it. Or I'm the biggest con man in history. You have to make a decision on that. If you don't think Jesus is who he claims to be, don't you dare put up Christmas lights in a few months. Because you're celebrating a con man. Don't you dare go out and buy Christmas gifts because you're celebrating the biggest con in history. Don't you use your birth date as your birth date or don't you ever even write a date on a check? Because every time you use your birth date, every time you write a date on a check, you are making reference to Jesus Christ. 2013 years since what? Since truth invaded the planet in the person of Jesus Christ. I don't think he was a phony, but you have to decide that one for yourself. If he is who he says he is, then he deserves your worship. And if he's not, don't you dare celebrate anything associated with man because he's a con man. It's critical that you and I get under the authority of God's word. It's critical that you and I know the Bible because quite honestly, Americans are biblically illiterate. Most of us, all we know about the Bible is what someone else taught us or told us about the Bible. And and doesn't it make more sense for you to study the Bible yourself, you to read the Bible yourself, so that if somebody comes up with something and says something, you just kind of have this little check in your spirit, and you go, that doesn't sound right. I'm not sure I buy that, because the Bible says this. That's your opinion, that's your interpretation, but I don't have to buy that, because I don't think you're right. Doesn't that make more sense? Instead of just blindly accepting what someone has told you? Let's let's play a little game. I want to demonstrate to you how biblically illiterate United States is, people in America. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out a sentence and you say, that's in the Bible or that's not in the Bible. Ready? This is, you got to help me out, Hillary. Nobody else is talking. Uh, Here it is. First one. If it's to be, it's up to me. Not in the Bible. Y'all pretty good. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Not in the Bible. And I won't point out anybody who said yes. Um, that's all right. We're, just, we're having a good time here. That's all right. Next one. God helps those who help themselves. Y'all notice there's fewer people that are really sure about their answer. The more that I ask that. That's not in the Bible. Ben Franklin said that. Jesus didn't say that. That's in poor Richard's almanac. Here's the next one. Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Okay, y'all, we're fairly confident on that one. I've heard every one of those. In some context, I've heard every one of those people saying, well, this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. The Bible does not say that. We don't have a clue. And let me tell you why this is a big deal. Here it is. We're going to run through this pretty quickly, but I want you to get this. I don't know why that's popping. Maybe that's coming down there. Um, if you don't know, the, it's the shirt. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> if you don't know the Bible then you don't know several things. Let me explain to you. You don't know the Bible. You don't know about love. 
Because the Bible says that God is love. 1 John 4, uh, 7 and 8, it says that love is of God, and he that loves is born of God. He that does not love does not know God because God is love. 1 John 3, 16, you know John 3, 16. Many people don't know 1 John 3, 16, which says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Or John 15, 13 says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You don't know the Bible. You don't know the truth meaning of love. You don't know the Bible, you don't know about morality. Morality comes from God. If we're no different from the animals, it makes no sense to be moral. If we're just, if we're evolved from from primordial soup and we had these animal ancestors and all this stuff, it makes no sense to to be moral. Let me me explain. I uh, I was reading a sermon this week and uh, this pastor went on a safari and uh, I don't know if it's not popping anymore, I don't like that one. Just hold on to it. We'll see. <clears throat> Not that I'm picky or anything, but thank you. Um, so this, this pastor goes on this safari to Africa, and he said they get in their truck, and they're bouncing around Africa, and the guide is telling them things, pointing out different things. And all of a sudden, the guide says, oh, I see a lion up there, and it looks like a lion has killed his prey. Let's see what's going on. And he said, normally, lions, when they, when they kill their prey, they roar, and they want everyone to look. They're so proud. Kind of like your cat. We were watching North America, that, that, that Discovery Channel, whatever stuff. It's pretty cool, and this, this uh, bobcat kills a mole, and I think any animal that kills the mole is awesome. And so it waits forever to kill the mole. And all of a sudden it goes behind this tall grass. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the narrator says, why just kill your, your uh, prey when you can play with it? And all of a sudden the, the mole goes flying through the air and the bobcat springs up like 10 feet and grabs it and comes down and then it comes flying through. Well, ordinarily a lion wants to um, let everybody know this is my kill. But as they're getting closer to the lion, they see the lion just sitting there. And, and they're kind of confused, and, and the guide says, I don't know what's going on. They pull up a little closer, and, and they hear what sounds like sobbing. And they get right next to the lion, and he's wringing his paws, and he says, oh, what have I done? What have I done? I killed an innocent life. That didn't happen. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> we think that's ridiculous, right? Because animals just do what is instinctive. But we have morals, and you learn that we're not descendants of the animals. We are created in the image of a living God who spoke us into existence. Morals come from the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you don't know purpose for your life. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 29 11, which says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. God says, I have a plan and it's a good plan and it's better than your plan, but you'll never know it if you don't read the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you don't know about heaven or hell. It's funny that a lot of people like the idea of heaven. They reject the the idea of hell. You know, the source of both of those concepts was Jesus Christ, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you're going to accept one of those, you've got to accept both of those. And it comes from the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you don't know about sin. The Old Testament was given to us. The law was given to us. uh, We're told in the New Testament to show us that no one can fulfill everything of the law, that we're not perfect. It's It's to show us that we are sinners, in need of a savior. And then in the New Testament, you find out about grace because you find out that Jesus Christ came down and and fulfilled every letter of the law. And then he poured out grace upon us and offered us salvation. And if you don't know the Bible, you don't know about substitutionary atonement. One of my favorite topics of scripture, 
We've talked about this before when we've taken the Lord's Supper because it's such a dramatic picture of substitutionary atonement. In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and God came down, you remember what he did? They were naked. They knew it for the first time because they ate of the the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God killed an innocent animal and covered them with the skin of the animal. And that was a foreshadowing of of the sacrificial system that happened all through the Old Testament. And then it was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ on the cross because the Bible says that when he was killed on the cross, he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world once for all. Substitutionary atonement means an innocent third party has to die so a guilty party can go free. You don't understand that. You don't know that if you don't know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you don't know about adoption as children of God. John 1.10 says, To as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You don't know that stuff if you don't know the Bible. If you don't know the Bible, you don't know jack about God. That's the most theologically sound statement there. I've been a friend of Jesus for 43 years. When I was six years old, I walked down the aisle and I prayed. And I was baptized shortly after that. I've been in the ministry. This September, I will have been in the ministry for 30 years. Y'all didn't know I was that old. Started when I was three. <laughs> I still don't know or understand it all. Do you know there's still times I have doubts? I still have questions. I still struggle sometimes with, God, did you really mean for me to be doing this? And I've got a list of questions that I hope when I get to heaven someday that God will answer. People say, well, I'm going to ask God this. I, I don't know. I, I've backed off of that because when I get there and God's this grand, you know, you don't even need sunlight because he is the light and, you know, there's no crying tears. I don't think I'm going to be walking up saying, hey, you need to tell me this. But I hope that I have an audience with, with God sometime and I can say, why did you do that? Roaches. fire ants. You know, I hope to be able to ask him some questions. He, he doesn't have to answer me because he's God, but I have questions. And here's the thing. You don't have to have all the answers to have a relationship with God. It's okay to have questions. You don't have to have everything answered in order to start a relationship with God. And in Mark chapter nine, there's a story of a father who comes to Jesus and we don't ever get the name of the father. Um, but we know that his son is really sick and he thinks his son is about to die. And here's what he says to Jesus. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Hear anything in there that kind of raises questions for you? If you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asks. And I don't think he was condescending at all. I think he was just going, well, tell me what you mean, if. And then he says, anything is possible if a person believes. The Father's answer is classic. The Father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. See, I think this is so honest. I think he's being real. He's going, I believe, but man, I got doubts. Help me with my doubts. And you know what the Bible says? Jesus looks at him. He goes, bam, that's good enough. Heals his son. Just a little bit of belief. And Jesus says, I'll multiply that. Because you, as you get to know me, you're going to be blown away by who I am and what I can do in and through you and for you. Do you know you can say that to Jesus today? You can say, I have doubts, but I believe. Help me deal with all these things I doubt about. It's okay. He's big enough to handle that. But I really would like to have a relationship with you, God, because I I don't think you're a con man. I don't think you're a fake. I think you are who you say you are, but I don't know anything about you. It's okay to pray that prayer. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. 
See, I enjoy a lot of benefits of things I don't understand. I don't understand the laws of aerodynamics that cause a plane to fly. But on Wednesday morning, I'm going to jump on a plane from uh, Dallas to Borger, or Amarillo. Not to Borger. Oh, my goodness. You can't get in there. Um, and I'm going to go see my dad for a couple of days. Every, every year, that's my Father's Day present to him as I go up, and, and I'll be working on lawnmowers, and I'll mow the lawn, and I'll trim. My dad is 91 years old, and he'll be out there on, on the slowest-moving lawnmower you've ever seen in your life. I'm serious. A glacier. I've seen glaciers. They move faster than my dad's lawnmower. And you got an old man who can't even stand up. And, and so a couple of years ago, I went up, and I'm like, Dad, what do you want me to do? I need you to mow my lawn. I'm like, okay, you got a lawnmower? Yeah, there's one out there. I finally gave up on the riding thing. I said, give me a push mower. I can mow 10 times as fast. I'm going to go hang out with my dad. I don't understand aerodynamics of planes, but I'm going to get on one and go to to Amarillo. I'm going to fly back. In 33 days, 33 people from Texas are going to hop on a plane, fly to Miami, and then we're going to fly to Haiti. We don't understand it, but we're going to enjoy the benefits of a plane. I don't understand everything about internal combustion engines. I got a lawnmower sitting in my driveway that doesn't work that will prove to you I do not know everything about internal combustion engines. But I'm willing to bet most of you don't know either, but we got a parking lot full of internal combustion engines that you just hopped in, expected that sucker to work, and then you drove it and you enjoyed the benefits. I don't understand digestion, but that's not going to keep me from eating ribs in just about 10 minutes. I don't understand acid indigestion either, but... Chad helped me with some of that uh, on Friday because I was hurting. I don't understand iPads, iPhones, Wi-Fi, but I enjoy the benefits of it. You don't have to have all the answers in order to have a relationship with a God that you can't comprehend anyway because he's too big for you. Quite honestly, if, if you have a God that can fit in your mind, no offense, that's a pretty small God. I, I, I desire to worship someone who's greater than the universe. I think you do too. Let me just say one more thing about why um, we need to know the Bible and be under the authority of the Bible. The Bible has the message that everyone needs to hear. Romans ten fourteen says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And the answer to that is they can't. And so if you want to be a follower of Christ, you have no option but to tell people about Christ. And and so you need to know the Bible so you can share the message of the Bible with others. Now, we know that nature tells us a lot about God. Nature tells us that God is creative. Nature tells us that God likes varieties. You know there's over 12,000 different kinds of beetles in the United States alone, and there are over 300,000 species of beetles in the world? That's a question on my list. Why do we need so many? I, I don't know, but God's a creative God, and he likes variety. Uh, nature tells us that God is powerful. Look at volcanoes. Look at, at tornadoes. Look at the ocean. Go, go check out the ocean when a storm is coming through and you'll go, man, God is powerful. Nature tells us that God is enormous. Look at how big our universe is and then you realize we're only one universe of many, 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 many universes. You know that God is big. Nature tells us that God is organized. A friend of mine was, is a uh, doctor and he said when he was in medical school and they were working on cadavers, he said he would, he would study in the book and then he would have to go and do what he just studied and he said all the time... I don't remember. There was one uh, nerve that he would have to find. And he said, no matter which cadaver you did, no matter whether it was old, young, whatever, there was always this spot. You fold this back and there's the nerve. And he said, I, I figured out that God did this stuff on purpose. 
God is, is very creative. He's very organized. We learn so much about God through nature, but you don't learn that God loves you through nature. The only place you're going to find that is in the Bible. So we've got to get under the authority of God's word. Here's the, here's the bottom line of why I wanted you to hear this message. Everybody has an authority, which means everybody is a slave to something. And I'm going to tell you that you will not discover your purpose in life. You will not, and, and I'm basing this on Jesus, not on my testimony. You will not experience freedom until you get under the authority of God's word because maximum freedom is found being under God's authority. If you want to be free, then you better bow the knee to the truth who can set you free. If Jesus is who he says he is, if he's the son of God, you better fall down and worship him because you owe him everything, even the breath that you're breathing right now. So today's your day. If, uh, if you say, I really don't think Jesus was a con man. I don't think he's conned people for 2,000 years. I think he is who he says he was. Then I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer in your heart today. Kind of like the, the man whose son was sick. Kind of like that prayer. It's a kind of a gutsy prayer. And it's just going to be, God, I, I don't understand. But I want to know the truth. Who's afraid to pray that? Bow your heads with me for just a moment. If you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, then, then I, I challenge you to pray this prayer right there where you're seated. Dear God, I want to know the truth. The truth about you, the truth about me, the truth about Jesus, the truth about life and death and heaven and hell, my past, my present, my future. I want to know the truth. Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all. But as much as I do, as much as I know how, I want to open my life to you. Show me the way. Show me the truth. Show me how to really live. I want the truth to set me free. So I'm saying just as much as I know right now, I want to follow you. I want to learn to love you and trust you. Help me with my doubts. Help me with my questions. I pray this in your name. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, and, and it wasn't just something because I was doing it, but you felt this little tug on your heart and you wanted to pray that prayer, the Bible says that you were adopted into the family of God today. As many as believed him, to those who believed in his name, they received him. He gave the right to become children of God. The Bible says that when one person makes that step of faith, that there's this party, there's this celebration in heaven. Because one more sinner has come home. And we want to celebrate with you. And so if you prayed that today, and I want you to write that on the back of your registration cards. Take those out real quickly. And I want you to write that on the back. And if you have prayer concerns, put those on there. I read through those through the week, pray through those through the week. If you got praises, God's answered your prayers, please write that on there as well.